I'm Rick Cushman, and this episode of Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul is sponsored by Tourism Vancouver. They invite you to head to Canada for a spring vacation in one of the world's most beautiful cities. And, Paul, I think that's actually something we both agree on. Vancouver's a great place. I love Vancouver. Spectacular scenery, world-class food, uh, great wines, tons of things to do, uh, sports activities, entertainment, all that. And, Rick, they're Canadian. If only everyone were so nice. Now is a great time to go, too. If festival season is just starting, the dollar's still strong, and there's lots of direct flights from California, so it's a pretty short trip. And meanwhile, winter rates are pretty much still everywhere. Yeah, and don't forget about the Vancouver International Wine Festival, February 24th to March 4th. We will both be there, Rick. That is true. Paul will be the keynote speaker, and he's going to lead some of the main seminars. And I'm just going to hang around and heckle him. No spitwads. Well, you can come join me in, in the heckling, or maybe even better, you can go to Vancouver and the festival and avoid us both entirely. <laughs> there you go. Go to tourismvancouver.com to see more about all the cool things you can find in Vancouver. That's tourismvancouver.com, and we have a link on our website. Yes, we do. Welcome to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. Paul, today we're going to try to help out a new friend with some advice. Rick, how many friends do we have that we gave advice to? Well, we tend to lose them as soon as that happens. (laughs) And we're probably going to lose him soon. So who's this guy? His name is Phil, and he's in the restaurant business in Monterey. Okay. And uh, he asked – we were there recently, and he asked about – we were sitting at the bar, and we were talking. He asked about how to describe the difference between some major varietals like Cab, Merlot, or Pinot. So we're going to try to help him, Paul. Oh, Phil, good luck to you, my friend. That's true. Also today, listeners ask why some wine writers who give scores seem to hate scores <laughs> if the big bargain wine sales are really sales. Plus, we have more stuff we love. Our oh, horrible yeah. wine writing is from the Department of Redundancy Department. <laughs> and as usual, we will make fun of wine stops. Yes, we will. By the way, a couple of reminders. Uh, once again, Capital Public Radio continues to host us on their podcast lineup. On their recommended podcast and lineup. And we remind you that Sacramento's NPR station. Uh, we are also on Napa Broadcasting, a network that comes out of Napa Valley College. Institute of Higher Learning. They are. They are indeed. And yet very charitable folks, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and Paul is leading a wine cruise out of San Francisco. Leading is maybe not the right word because I'm he's going to pretend to drive. World, he is Rick. not driving the boat. But he's, he will be the head wine guy out of a wine cruise out of San Francisco, July 31st to August 1. It's down the coast of California. On the Crystal Symphony. Crystal Symphony, which is one of Condé Nast Traveler's top cruises in cruise ships in the world. Yes, although they've put on extra lifeboats for this they, one. They, as well. And people will be abandon ship if they get too much of Paul. But you can avoid him entirely. Um, this is uh, The cruise is about wines of the West. Um, you can get information at winecruisegroup.com. That's winecruisegroup.com. And that's through Expedia Cruises. There's all, There are also links on our website. Yep. Should be a great time. All right. So I was in Monterey, a lovely town. Uh, every time yeah. I'm down there, I fall more and more in love with it. It really is a great little city. Uh-huh. And every time they ask you... They keep... I, I have to go to new places because the old places <laughs> won't come let back. me in. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I did find a new place. Um, and we met a guy named Phil. Great guy. He's the floor manager and he also tends bar at a pretty terrific restaurant. We're not going to name because... I'm sure they have better lawyers than we do, and frankly, we want Phil to keep his job. Yeah, but Rick, we don't have lawyers. That's why they're better. That's why everybody <laughs> else always wins. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so Phil, Phil knows spirits. He knows the restaurant business, but he's still learning about wines. So are we. True. 
It's true. And he asks, how do I explain to customers the difference between cabs and Merlot and Pinot? Mm. He says, everything I hear or read just lists odd flavors like dark something or notes of something. I know it sells, but I don't know how to describe them. Boy, that's a really good question. And the, first of all, huge kudos to Phil. Because most people who are getting into the wine industry just automatically adopt those, what does he call them, odd flavors like dark something or notes (laughs) Notes of of something something. without knowing what the heck they mean and just repeat them. And the customer hears that and hears exactly what Phil hears, which is, I don't understand this stuff either. Nobody's helping anybody. Right, right, right. Okay. Yep. So let's let's talk about four things, Rick, okay? Let's talk about color. Weight, flavor, and intensity. Okay. I still got one more finger. What are we <laughs> no, going to do for? That's a thumb. Oh, well. Rick, that's a thumb. It's an opposable oh, thumb. Sure. I'm Here surprised to hear you have Angels one. on the head of the pin again. <laughs> All right. Picky, picky. So, color. And here you go quite easily because with Pinot Noir, color is usually a lighter color. So, if you're going to describe Pinot in comparison to the other wines here, generally lighter in color. Zinfandel, probably more red. And Merlot and Cabernet, maybe a little bluer, purpler, darker. But so, the big difference is between Pinot and the other three. Okay. And I, I would argue, uh, use three fingers. <laughs> uh, honestly, Rick, I'm uh, about to use one finger. <laughs> Uh, wouldn't be the first time (laughs) wouldn't be the first time Uh, but uh i think i think that um i agree in a in a slightly larger discussion with somebody saying which one what's going to taste like what i think you don't even bring up color well okay except that when you tell people about wine and the first thing they see is the color when you start talking about it yeah yeah i think it's good to know that know that difference and and to answer that be able to answer that question okay but um, and then the second the second element my middle finger right those of you in the radio audience can see that, um, is weight or body or, and that's, you used a wonderful example of, is it more like whole milk or is it more like skilled milk or is it more like 2% 2% milk. Yes, and, and it's it's something that we all can we all can recognize. You, you know, we the way the wine world talks about it, it always feels like you don't know what you don't right. you, you're in unable to do that. But the truth of it is it's, that's it's, a really easy one. It's the simplest one. Right. And in this case, you're looking at most of these, I would say that of the of the the weight of the wine, Pinot is the lightest, then Merlot. And Cabernet and Zinfandel kind of together in that bigger, heavier, full milk style. Right. Whereas the other two were somewhere in the 2% range. Right. You can feel it in your mouth. Absolutely. Yep. 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 Third thing is fruit. And I'm going to go really simple with whether it's red fruit or black fruit. Which is, which are another way to think about it is, is, you know, think about, um, what the difference is in the red fruits that you like, raspberries, cherries versus, you know, uh, plums and dark blackberries. It's really almost a tone of the fruit. That's something that's right. also easily recognizable. Yep. 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 And so that's, you know, and that's something that people do want to know about. Not the notes of something. They don't want to right. know if there's, tea, you know, notes of uh, Asian tea or, you know. No, no, no. But you just. Know, Franciscan but curry if you were to tell people it's more like uh cranberries or more like plums. Right. Those are two pretty big differences. Right. right. And, and in that's a good general, direction. Pinot Noir is going to be more of the, remember, lighter color, lighter body, maybe more red fruit. Mm-hmm. Cabernet, darker color, heavier body, more dark fruit. 
And in this case, the the Merlot and Zinfandel finish somewhere in the middle. Zinfandel a little bigger and richer, Mer- but can be both red and black. And the same with Merlot. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and and finger number four? Finger number four. I forget what finger number four is, Rick. You uh, have to remind me. I think me it was that. your middle finger. I no, it was it. intensity yes. of flavor. Um, uh, and intensity of flavor in general, Pinot Noir may not be quite as intense, more aromatic, wonderfully aromatic, but not quite so intense. Uh, Merlot, not quite so intense. Zinfandel and Cab, very intense. To my mind, the big difference between Zin and Cab is Zinfandel tends to be sort of a single note a more pure, direct, one-line fruit, whereas Cabernet tends to be more complex with a lot of different flavors going yeah, on in and, it. And the other thing, and I talked to Phil about this a little bit, um, but I think this is something for anybody, is, you know, you can, once you start thinking about these really simple things because you want to describe them to somebody else, um, I will quote what you do with your class, right. uh, which is like to describe it to yourself so you can recognize it again. Right. And so yep. by the same token... Describe it to yourself so you can differentiate. So that if somebody is asking about what's the difference between the Merlot and the Zin, right. so you know you just taste it yourself and you say what's the what what do I see that's different? And it will be some of these things. Yep. Those are and but the I, other thing I, I say is try not to use wine wine writer right. words because they won't mean anything to right. you. In fact, I I have described the difference between Zinfandel and Merlot as being the difference between NASCAR and Formula One. They're both cars that can go really fast, but there's a really different feel to the wine. Zinfandel is more American. I I was going to use the making out in the closet uh, from our Valentine's show. You're making out in the closet. Your mind is back in the closet. So, Um, but one last little suggestion I have for Phil, which is nothing will endear him to a customer more. Nothing will make him more popular than if someone asks him the question between Cab and Merlot, if he has a Cab and a Merlot by the glass and, taste, and he yeah. pours him an ounce yep. of each and says, here's one, yeah. here's the other, you tell me. One of, the, one of the conversations we had with him. And the other thing we said was is to ask him, ask the customers, what do they like? Right. You know, what did you have last time? Do you remember? Would you like, you know, right. and, and that's a great, uh, right. that those are, those, that's, that's always a good way to start the discussion because rather than having to describe the wine, if they say, I like really rich wines, now he knows where to go. Big, rich, more, and soft. Yeah, so he or knows where to go. Zinfandel. Yep, yep, absolutely. You know, if it's not kind of light, you know, like lighter, spacier wine, then, you know, right. if, they, if they have that On, in on the their, other hand, Rick, no man is going to say, I prefer a lighter style wine. Oh. Real men only want big old hairy wines, right? I mean, that's yeah, in a restaurant. You, you got to kind of be no, careful. No, I, I think I think people well, say someone might say I like Pinot, and not, not know why. Well, uh, they yeah, might like yeah, Pinot, but that's yeah. a different story. Yeah. That's true. And but, then they got to make their wife happy. So yes. that's a different yes, story. Yes, I too. say I want. Uh, I, I want whatever she's having. Muscular wines I can wrestle to the ground. Or you want um, sweaty wines that will encourage yes, her to drink another, more. Another uh, another story from another show. <laughs> um, yes. See, you have to listen to all of our shows to to understand that we to really get the jokes. that we are actually funnier than we seem to be. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well. Speaking of funnier than we seem, um, the funny thing is, people ask us questions, so we're going to answer a few of them now. Okay. Uh, probably, besides Phil's, I hope we hope you helped him a little bit. Uh, and by the way, uh, thanks for listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Uh, if you'd like to ask us a question, the place is, of course, rickandpaulwine.com. If you're listening on our website, that is the place now. If you're on iTunes. Uh, you can subscribe for free, by the way, on iTunes, but then yes. come over to the website and ask us a question. Yep. Okay. So th- this one is from Samantha in Ukiah. Wine country. 
It is indeed. Uh, she's, and it's Mendocino County. If somebody doesn't know that's northern, more towards northern California, northern, northern middle of, of California is what that is. Uh, why do some wine writers hate scores for wines? My friends in the wine business love it when they get good scores. Yeah. I, I got to add, uh, I totally agree with her. And I just saw a recent story um, that was in one of the, I can't remember what it was, but one of the wine mags or wine websites uh, about the 100-point scale. And they only people they asked were like you know, super small uh, uh, retail stores. Right. And, you know, and a couple of the wine writers from the magazines yeah. who agree, I'm agreeing with Samantha who, who dissed them. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the question is then, uh, why would you do that? I, on the other hand, do not diss 100-point scores. But um, so let's talk about okay. why first. Okay. Which is that uh, it's uncool. <laughs> you mean why people dislike 100-point scores? Why, yeah, why they dislike 100-point Well, I'm going to suggest there's another reason, which is if wine is an expression of culture the way music is or food is or movies are, we don't give music 100-point scores. We don't say Beethoven's Ninth Symphony is 100 points and his Seventh Symphony is only 88. But we do give movies stars. You give stars maybe, but the, I think part so of the— So we should use 100, points, 100 stars. No, I'm, I'm joking. Part I, of I, the, I'm not disagreeing Part of the idiocy yeah, yeah, yeah. of the 100-point scale is that people actually distinguish between an 89, a 90, and a 91. Right. And you and I both know, frankly, that's a bunch of horse monarchy. I don't know what monkey is, but I, I'm going to agree with you anyway. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I mean, there's it's it just reduces it to a really simple thing. And, and we want right. wine to not be simple. Now, however, now, now almost nobody gives 100 point scores without some of right. those indecipherable tasting notes that we make yes. fun of in every show. Yes. So there is that. But to. To me, um, the, the, the reason they exist is because, frankly, there are too many wines in the market. It's too hard to keep track of them all. And people want a really simple way right. of eliminating a whole bunch of wines. I don't drink anything below 90 points. Yeah, or, or just even a guide. Done. Just really looking for a simple yeah. guide. And, you know, and, and, and yeah. that's – of course they are. This is a crazy, complex, you know, needlessly complex uh, industry as a right. customer. Right. We make this as impossible as, pos- as possible, impossible as possible, to figure things out. <laughs> right. So then when you get this simple, really clear-seeming— Have I got a solution uh, yeah, for you? Yeah, and so it's it numbers—we we get it. You know, it just yeah. makes it seem easy. Yeah. And, and yeah. that's why uh, Samantha's friends in the wine business love it when they get a good score, because it sells wine. It sells wine. And it, sure. it, it, it also helps the winery sell to uh, a store, because the store right. is more willing to carry it, as well as it, it gives them something to talk about, gives right. something to put on their shelves. Yeah. And, and I have talked to many, many, many friends who talk to me about you buying, don't have that many buying friends, wines. Right? Many, many people <laughs> who talk to me about <laughs> <laughs> buying wines. Yeah. Based on scores, at least in in some, and, at, at and least, they don't have they don't have the animosity towards it no, that the industry does. It's just a simplification tool, right? And that's all well and good. But one of the reasons is people who really love wine don't like the simplification tool is that is it possible to have a hundred point country western song? Maybe is it possible to have a hundred point Zydeco song? And is that the same as a hundred point right. symphony from the classical music? It's a little more complicated than all of that. And just giving them all a hundred points seems to take away the fact that boy, those are really different things right. and really interesting things. And shouldn't we talk yeah. about them a little more? And it is it is. 
while it's a fair criticism, I will say this to everybody in the wine industry, including those people from the wine magazines, if you want, don't want to use the scores, do a better job of actually describing the wines in a way normal people understand. Well, and tell stories about the and wines that people care, care yeah. about. That's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but they're not going anywhere, on, you know, for better no, or worse. that's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, the next one is from Ryan in Vacaville. It says, lots of stores have, all, especially this time of year, and he's right, having all kinds of sales uh, right now. Are they really a good deal? The ones that confuse me the most are the five-cent sales or the ten-cent sales for a second bottle. With all due respect, it sounds too good to be true. I'm pretty sure a big-box store is not going to sell me a bottle of wine for ten cents. Well, he's right. And, so, in fact, the basic equation for most of those wines in those big stores is they sell none of that wine at the at original the price. Original price. Yeah, yeah. And they only sell it during the sale. So, basically, what they're doing is they're putting the wine on the – let's say they pick, put it on the shelf for 30 and it doesn't sell a single bottle until it goes on sale. And then what they're really saying is we stock it for eight months of the year. And for four months of the year, we sell it at $15 a bottle and it sells pretty well. Yeah, well, or or they just, when they carry it, they, they jack up the first bottle price. So the two of them equal the, in, the, the, in the fact, price of two bottles. In fact, there were some stores bottles. that got caught actually telling people that the price was originally this. And it was never that. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. Well, and that's so. another thing. Uh, so uh, the answer is yes, those deals are too good to be true. That doesn't mean the price isn't okay, right? but it's not five cents a bottle. The other thing to always keep an eye out for, and you see this in in stores everywhere, big stores everywhere, where it says um, it's different from the, the, the actual, an actual sale, but the, so often it'll say, um, you know, originally 20... Ninety nine now fourteen ninety nine, right. uh, but they you know so many of those wines were never going to sell at, at twenty ninety nine. Maybe right. they might have sold them at sixteen ninety nine, right. but right. those are um, those those are not real prices. So my answer, so so my answer to Ryan is the answer I always give anybody in a situation where they think a deal is too good to be true. Take home a bottle and try it. If it seems like it's a really good deal for the money, buy more. If you take it home and you well, think, well, if it's eh, the second price for ten cents, you got you got to take two. You do got, you do have to take the second bottle. <laughs> yeah. You give the second bottle. Your sister-in-law. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, um, but in essence, the those prices and and one of the the ways to actually figure that out sometimes is once again, as we always say, your friend that supercomputer sitting right in front of you right. or in your pocket. That's right. Uh, just is just you know look at the, look up the score the the price a couple of places you'll get a sense of you'll whether get it's a any sense good. of what it sells for. Yeah, and in many cases, the wines that are for sale for these prices aren't available anywhere else because they're a proprietary bottle. Yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, so, uh, speaking of too good to be true, uh, we have <laughs> not not nothing in reference to this show. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's uh, some really horrible wine writing. Oh yeah, that's too good to be true. However, that song is not too good to be true. It always makes me happy, despite the very sad, sad writing we're about to go through. Oh, uh, yes, it because we like, we like making fun of bad writing, don't we? We do indeed. All right, Paul. Okay, so here we go. Though tight and tense, this bottle shows immense promise with subtle bursting cherry fruit underlying the flying, fine black rock minerality. <laughs> the palate sneaks up slowly with growing juicy berry fruit and prickly spice. What a load of hooey. What's, what's black rock minerality, Paul? Black rock minerality is what you find when you go to Burning Man. 
and and you lick the black rocks. You, that's right. You, that's right. Exactly right. Yes. And I love the subtle bursting cherry fruit. Yes, subtle bursting. Subtle bursting. It's subtly bursting. Yes, it bursting and cherry bursting, fruit. but subtly. Yes, and cherry fruit because so cher- subtly that you might not notice it's actually bursting. And and you know, in if fact, you did, that's why they say it sneaks up on you. Yes. Well, and you know, if you didn't know that it was cherries or berries, you and they didn't put them I and they put fruit didn't put fruit after cherries or berries, you wouldn't know it was fruit. No, you you it could be it could be juicy berry black rock minerality and and prickly spice is prickly that, is that, spice is that a cactus? <laughs> Yes. Uh, uh, Tight, intense. This bottle shows immense promise. Oh, well. Well. Well, there you go. Yeah, see, that's that's another— It's it's sad. It's too bad that it's tight and tense because if it could just relax a little bit— If it listened to our show, it would relax. (laughs) It would feel much better about things. Okay, well, what do you have that competes with that? So this is my Department of Redundancy department, and we we go through this sort of thing now and then because— it's just because it's so, fun. It's fun and also a little mind-boggling. And this is from a, a, a major newspaper that's supposed to help you choose those wines. Choose right. some wines. So it's got a list of wines, and, and these descriptions are to help you pick which one you want. Yes, these are all Pinot Noirs. Are they all artisan and handcrafted and comfortable? No, that's a whole different. Uh, that that's was tasting, tasting rooms. rooms. Yes, this one is wines, <laughs> so that you can so that you can make a very uh, a sophisticated choice because. Um, among these wines, one was thirty dollars, and the rest were fifty to nine to above ninety. Okay. Ninety-eight, actually. So okay. like fifty dollars so to one hundred dollars. These are not cheap wines. Thirty to one hundred bucks. That's so a lot here, of here's the descriptions <clears throat> that will help you. Lively. These are Pinot Noirs. Lively and graceful, with spicy, refreshing flavors of red fruits, flowers, and herbs. Here's Good. another one. Fresh, bright, and precise, with aromas and flavors of red fruits, flowers, and earth. Another one. Great. Finesse and precision, which I guess is different from precise. Yeah. With juicy flowers, flavors of flowers, red fruits, and herbs. Stony and earthy with impeccably balanced flavors of red fruit and flowers. Wait, wait. Can I do one? You could just make one up. Precise and fruity with flavors of red fruit and flowers and herbs. Yes. That's, that keeps going on. And the other one was straightforward with reticent flavors of berries and dark fruit. So this is this is the thing, you know. I mean, dear Lord. <laughs> Okay. It, how, so why how buy one over the other? Choose? If they all taste like that, I'll take the $30 bottle. Exactly. Yes. Unless unless I wanted reticent, straightforward, but reticent fruit. It it's, could have been subtly bursting. Yes. So this is also part of the problem is this is a writer that has X amount of space. Right. So don't do so many wines. Right. Well— yeah. Or give them a point score. Yeah, or or <laughs> tell stories about them. Yeah. Tell people what they want to know. Well, if you don't have the space for it, you just, you know, that's so you you go at this differently. I mean, you have yeah. to come up with a way. If you're trying to help somebody make a consumer choice, which is what this is supposed to be about, right. you have well, to give them information that can help them make a they're consumer given, choice. They're given scores here though, cuz they're they range from 30 to 98. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, price range. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's that we see this all the time and it's it's absolutely useless, and you know if if you're looking at these lists of wines and so many stories, whether it's newspapers or magazines, and they have these uh, quoting uh, Phil uh, notes of something and flavors of something, right, um, right, and and they don't mean anything to you. It's not you. It's them. It's them, and yep. they all pretty much say the same thing anyway. Yep. Yes. Yep. Well. Now I hate that. Not them. Yes, you do hate that. But you know, Paul, I happen to know. <laughs> There is stuff we love. Excellent. I love you so. Now it's time for us to be nice. Oh, yeah. We are 
been trashing the, all these Pinot Noirs, these descriptions. So it's time for us to take a, a different view okay. about something we love. And we love Pinot Noir. We do. We love Pinot Noir from the New World. We do. We think that – now, Pinot Noir to me, the, the grape – has this wonderful characteristic. All the Pinot grapes do, but it's most, I think, uh, uh, obvious in Pinot Noir, the texture of this wine. Mm -hmm. Luscious, velvety, smooth. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love that combination of that lovely, smooth, velvety texture with the sort of rich floral, cherry aromatics, almost perfume. And you get that wonderful perfume and then you get the smoothness of the fruit. And it goes with so many different foods. And I'm ready to crack open a bottle Uh, right now. Me too. And uh, uh, once again, a reminder, because we get this question now and then, New World means basically not Europe. Right. Not Central Europe. Yeah. Right. Uh, but yes, I, I agree. And it is – there is something in the texture that is um, – it's silky. It's sexy. It's, it's – it is it, – it is, Rick, I'm getting all bothered uh, when you talk yeah, that so way. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's also – it's luxurious too. Yeah. It does make yeah, you yeah, feel yeah. pampered. Yep. Yeah. Love New World Pinots. And yep. um, you, you will now and then hear some jerky psalm – saying only Old World Pinots. And they're lovely Old World Pinots, too, but they're different. We like them. We like all Pinots. We we do. We do, indeed. We're a... Okay. We also like our our hearty listeners who continue to ask us questions uh, (laughs) despite probably knowing better. So we're going to take a couple more questions. And a reminder, rickandpaulwine.com is the place to go. So this is from Matthew in Berkeley. He says, what does alcohol content do to wine? He says, does it affect how strong a wine tastes? See wine stores where they make a big deal about tiny differences, like a fraction of a percentage is going to get like, the guy roaring drunk. Uh, good for you, Wine Matthew. stories, he says. Yes. Yeah, yes. good for you. That's yes. a really good point. Yes. Um, it does affect flavor, but the difference between a – a 13% alcohol wine and a 14.5% alcohol wine is not just 1.5%. But when it comes time to the fact that you've had a couple of glasses, the effect on your blood alcohol is almost negligible. Right. I I think I I, I sat down and did the math on this one time. I've seen different versions, but I think that if you had like a full bottle with a 1.5% difference, it was like – it was a quarter of an ounce of, a, of actual right. spirits or something right. like that. Right. It's really yeah. a tiny yeah. amount of alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. However, there are a couple of things that alcohol does in wine. And when you have higher alcohol, f- one of the things you'll notice in particular is in the finish of the wine, after you've swallowed it or spit it out, as I sometimes do and Rick never does. Um, I, I gargle. Right. Um, you'll notice that the higher alcohol wines leave your mouth feeling a little hot. I mean, it's just a, it's the same experience you have if you take a shot of vodka. You know yeah. how your mouth gets kind of hot. Or a cocktail, yeah. Yeah. So same thing happens with wine. The higher the alcohol, the more likely that is going to happen. If you're drinking that wine with spicy food, it's going to set your hair on fire in a way that drinking a low alcohol what, what would. If, what if Matthew is like me and doesn't have doesn't hair? doesn't have any hair, yeah. then he's good to go. Okay, so, right? so, so, that's, so that's one of the elements of alcohol. The other one is that it alcohol adds to the body and power, right. not the flavor, but the power of the wine. Which is sort of an intensity. You know, yeah, you can, you can feel it more in your mouth. You and can, yes. it can make the wine seem a little heavier and sometimes or richer. if it's 
too much, it can make the wine seem clumsy and unattractive, which has been said about both of us at yes, one point or another. Often. In fact, they say, you know, they came up to you just suddenly this morning and said, Paul, you know, you remind me of a high alcohol wine. <laughs> clumsy and unattractive. No, and, you know, and, and <laughs> balance matters, too, because some very high, higher alcohol wines you wouldn't notice and some lower alcohol wines you actually taste the alcohol. It really right. depends how the wine's put together. Right. But but those are the things. I mean, I always say it does it does give a sense of richness. It often gives it sometimes a perception of sweetness, like the right. fruit's a bit sweeter. Yeah. Um, and but here's a great little experiment for Matthew to really understand the difference, because and it's kind of fun which is take a normal bottle of wine, pour yourself a glass of wine, and then take another glass of wine, pour two glasses of the same wine, I'm sorry, and then just take, you know, a tiny quarter teaspoon of vodka and drop it in the second glass. And then smell and taste the two wines. And it will become immediately clear what alcohol does to the flavor of wine and why too much alcohol can make a wine unattractive yes. and clumsy. And I once again argue unbalanced. I see. I thought what you were going to say, Paul. Here's your experiment: is is uh, pour yourself two glasses no, quickly, of wine. Quickly, quickly drink one bottle of wine <laughs> with low alcohol and see how drunk you get. That's right. And then come back and quickly drink the other one. <laughs> That's higher alcohol. And then you, and see if you don't get drunk yes. quicker. Okay. Can I need to say for the record because somebody out there might actually have a lawyer. I don't intent, really mean you should do that. This, it would be a very bad idea. It's oh, the kind brother. of thing I might do, but you shouldn't. I'm a professional. Or maybe I'm no, just an you idiot. you play one on the radio. <laughs> yes. All right. This next one is from Lindsay in Dallas. And Lindsay says, I was just at a wedding, and the bartender kept pouring my wine glass to the brim. What was that about? It's hard not to spill. How much is the – when what is the proper amount to pour into a glass? Okay, well, the so first part's easy. Yeah, That's Lindsay a, is really attractive. We call it in the wed, wedding – no, 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 no. In the wedding – I mean in the restaurant business, we call that a wedding pour. It's so uh -huh. you won't have to come back. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. The idea is that you got a lot of people banging on the bar. Right. And you got to serve a lot of people all at once. And they're paying – and often paying by the – either it's probably paying by how much they open. Right. So the, the, the bartender has – The more they has, open, the it, better off they bartender are. Bartender has a double incentive. I was giving Lindsay the benefit of well, the doubt. Well, I think then there's that I too. think the bartender takes a look at Lindsay and says, I hope I worked out recently because I'd like <laughs> Lindsay to keep drinking and I'm going to fill her to the brim. Yeah, well, it could be that too. Um, but she's absolutely right. That's not the correct amount to pour. And it's – it's very easy to tell the correct amount to pour in any normal wine glass. You know, that sort of tulip-shaped glass is you're always supposed to pour right up to the widest part of the glass, which is usually about the lower third, lower 40% right. of the glass. Now, that's how much you're supposed to pour in a wine glass. Unless, of course, it's one of those big 32-ounce glasses, and then that's... Um, and then that's insane. That's insane. But yeah. uh, Well, that's my size, but uh, but but fundamentally, <laughs> yes. And actually, what we generally say is like, generally say for regular wines, is like a third of the glass, and right. then for a, a sparkling wine, two-thirds of the glass. Right. If it's in yeah. a, well, because uh, the, in a yeah. flute. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, but um, that way, it is the it's classic. It's a wedding pour. That's what yeah, that yeah, is. Yeah. So yeah, that's what you was Poor going on. Yeah. And then, and of course, you can't smell the wine. You can't swirl the wine. No. You wish you had a straw. Well, uh, but she maybe she teams with Matthew and they chug it quickly to, to see, see how drunk they get. Oh, I thought, and, and, then it's and the especially if content. Matthew didn't work out. Well, 
Yes, but he's in Berkeley, she's in Dallas. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Yeah, that's, that's the next thing we need. A wine, uh, a, <laughs> a wine dating service. site. Service. Yeah, matchmaking service. Rick and Rick and Paul's uh, dating. No. Yeah, this, this dating be, disasters. Yes. Yeah. Idiotmatch.com. That would be us. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of idiot matches, that it's time for us to end one of these. That's another round of Bile Talk with Rick and Paul. Our producer is, as always, the skilled and, char- and charming Matt Bassini. Thank you, Matt. Thanks to Capital Public Radio for this studio use, studio use and for including us on their podcast. Recommended lineup. podcast lineup. If you'd lineup. like to ask us a question, as you know, rickandpaulwine.com is the place. And don't forget, Paul will be leading a pretty spectacular cruise down the West Coast, leaving uh, San Francisco July 31st. Yep. Information and links are at Wine Cruise Group all one word, winecruisegroup.com, or on our website, rickpawine.com. And Paul will be speaking at the Vancouver International Wine Festival February 26th to March 4th, and I'll be there hanging around. You can come have a great time and easily avoid both Easily of us. avoid us both. Lots of information at tourismvancouver.com. And if you've learned anything today, we hope it's don't be redundant. Don't be redundant. Uh, don't say the same thing either. <laughs> I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. And remember, the best wines you drink are with friends. Or with us. Especially us. Especially us.